Hello, my name is Cliff Cumber and I am the artist of Related Filth and the artist on Tony Esmond is a movie star and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I was worried it peaked. I was looking at my screen. No, that was an excited Jason's back woohoo. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a woohoo all day. Me too. Damn skippy bippy. It, it's, it's like having a prosthetic leg. You're, you're missing a, a piece of you, yourself. Phantom limbs and shit. Yeah. Yep. Itchy toes. Yep. You are the itchy I, toe of 11 o'clock comics. <laughs> there you go. That's that's a t-shirt. That's what I aspired to be. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the, yeah, that, that's an awesome design. Can't top uh, that, so we're just going to go right into it. Hey, everybody. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 804, and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I'm your friendly neighborhood plague doctor. <laughs> Well, I guess it's con- mask on and everything. conceptually sound, yes. I look like a steampunk crow. Yeah, you're yeah. not a plague doctor. Although, you, you're right. They do have cool raiments and, and, and accoutrements. But you're Jason Wood. And I'm not saying it with the usual woo, because you're Jason Wood and you're back. Back. Crawled your way out of the COVID. Oof. Can't keep him down. You returned and to the was, fold and were the better no fold. way I was doing it last week. I was like... All fucked up. That's okay. Caleb and uh, Tony filled in for you. No doubt. And that's and 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 yes, and and ma- massive props to them for doing that. It, but I, I definitely get. Um, I mean, I I, I I hate missing an episode, but especially a con wrap up. It, yeah. It's it, it it just it's a double double edged sword there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's rough. And speaking of cons, uh, this episode, as usual is brought to you by our patrons. And we saw many of them at Heroes Con a couple weekends ago. If you would like to see what this whole Patreon thing is all about, go to patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. Take a look around. We have images, articles, sound, that would be audio, uh, polls. You get to uh, weigh in on the book of the month each and every month. And uh, don't forget, the dedicated Slack channel where we gather each and every day. We have a couple of new arrivals and they are amazing. So if you want to join the family, go to patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. We would love to have you. Be there, be square. Yeah. Dap, I cut you off on the way in because we were doing the intro, but uh, what were you going to say? Um... I don't. I, well, no. Um, as far as as Stranger Things, I uh, I'm up to the second episode, and I really, 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 um, no, without knowing what the hell's going to happen, I am um, I'm 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 kind of a fan of Eddie. Not oh. I, it, it, I was I was happy to because he just he reminded me of my friends in high school. So it was just it was neat to see because obviously. <clears throat> The first three seasons, these kids are younger, um, so you know they weren't at this age yet. So there wasn't as much to relate to them a, a, a bunch of years ago. But seeing them in high school now and then seeing you know 
Eddie, the the dungeon master. I I um I didn't know where to go with him at first. I, I didn't know if he was going to be like Billy or if uh or or, or and thankfully he he went the other way. And I'm not too worried about saying too much because I'm one of the last people to finally fucking see the fourth season. So. Mm-hmm. Well, he likes Maiden. How bad can he be? Right. Right. Yeah. Despite his liking Maiden, I never really liked the character. I, I mean, go... that's one of the interesting things. I mean, he he's the kind of person I would have not been friends with in high school. Mm-hmm. But in the show uh, context, I think he's great. He is the poster child for everyone I hung out with in high school. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, I think we've already long established that were we in high school together, we wouldn't have been friends. Oh, 100%. oh, for real. You'd be you'd be <laughs> you'd be screaming at the the townspeople. That would be you. You'd be congregating because you're 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 a silk, silky tongue devil, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to say, we've probably talked about this before, but remind me: were you two active D and D players in high school? Oh yeah, yeah. I was not I, not D and D, and and not in high school. In uh, mm-hmm. in junior high, uh, we played Car Wars Champions at Village Villains and Vigilantes. Oh, but, nice! But never D and D. Yeah, I'm so old. Uh, we played the blue box. Well, I bought the Greyhawk booklets, um, but we never played those. But when the blue box came out, that's when we jumped in. So I'm first edition, basic Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, nice. I'm old, and I, and I love it. So you whatever. with Gerps too, right? Yes, we did yeah. briefly. Yeah, right. it was more RuneQuest. When we were playing D anD D, we were playing RuneQuest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to say, I just remember going to Walden Books at the mall and begging my mother to let me buy every guidebook I could get my hands on. <laughs> and like all my friends and I, and we were a little younger, so we were, yeah, we were more like middle school. But like all my friends and I had all the guidebooks, and we would get together and we talk about them. But like we never actually played campaigns. I think because we were too young to have. Like we just we were too young to have anyone that was capable to to be a you know good dungeon master. You needed someone that could make sense out of the the, yeah, the bulk of yeah. the rules structure. You needed structure, right? We, we didn't have any like older. We didn't, right. I guess in retrospect, we didn't have any older siblings who were into it that could kind of like transition us in. So right. Yeah. Well, that was the thing when I first when when D and D first came out. I was never a DM. It was we an older guy that was doing it he was maybe one or two grades ahead of us so i think that's the way everyone was initiated to the game we all had it but and and we read it and understood it but we could not make sense of the bulk of the rules you needed a very clear thinking uh unfettered mind to do that and this guy was that and Mm -hmm. he was always the dm never wanted to play so cool yep that's lit it is lit. You know what else is lit? Well, it's not so lit, but um, uh, I, I am drinking uh, black and tan because we have uh, three cases of it left over from the graduation party. So I will be drinking black and tan for a while. <laughs> was a good time. Uh, How many th- did you tear up? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Fair enough. There you right. go. Here you go. Um, what, uh, how are you hydrating, Jason? Yeah, I, I am. Um, you know, I'm still on the come on the comeback. So, I uh, I am drinking water and uh, and some Gatorade Zero. Not surprising. Electrolytes, my man. That's gotta, right. Got to get them. Got to get them electrolytes back in. Yep. 
Uh, I am enjoying a refreshing and tasty whiskey sour, courtesy of the Partesian. And once that is done and the big-ass cube is melted, I will um, be moving on to to water because Lord knows I can't get enough water this week. Yeah. Same. I was borderline dehydrated after Heroes. I must have drank uh, water for like two days straight. And I never do that. I subsist on coffee. That's my water intake. Mm-hmm. But my body just needed just plain old water. Because we don't really drink very much when we're walking around the con floor. That's true. We didn't hide, I didn't do a good job of hydrating during the con nope. at all. Yeah. And then if we, we stopped to eat, inevitably we would get some kind of alcohol, which isn't really yeah. hydrating either. So, yeah. But, yeah. Um, Jason, if you have, I don't really think it's fair that, that you didn't at least uh, deliver your thoughts on Heroes. So if you have anything left to say oh. about Heroes, let them fly. Um, I mean, given the, to- the the time passage and all of that, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't have to go in any kind of great in depth, but I will say, I mean, I echo some of the things you guys said. I mean, I, I, I thought for, for like all intents and purposes, it was, you know, one of the best, if not the best con. I mean, I just thought it was great. And, and you know, certainly part of that was just that we hadn't been to a con like that in so long where we had, I mean, you, you and I and David, the three, we had been to New York obviously last year and uh you know that is what it was i mean it was it was nice to, for the three of us because we got to spend a lot of time together yeah but uh but it was you know not we, we really i don't know that we saw many if anyone else at least in terms of, of friends and stuff um and, and obviously we did the emerald city thing which which we thought was i i had fantasized that emerald city would be what this was uh and it wasn't obviously but but no it was just amazing i mean i mean i really felt as i was and i couldn't fully enjoy the decompressing and reflection because of the vid, but but um, but like that twenty four hour window before I uh, I started feeling shitty. I have to say I was still overwhelmed by the idea of just. I feel like when I think back on it, from the minute I woke up to the minute we went to bed, uh, there was someone or some ones that I was in you know dying to talk to, and or you know people that I I wish I had more time to talk to. It just right. was a nonstop. Uh, a festival of, of of friends and camaraderie that uh, I don't know that we'll ever recapture. I mean, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm sure lots of people will come back for other heroes and and we'll be back, but I don't know that uh, you know this may be like this may be the best one just because of how many first timers we had and how many people we got to meet for the first time and right um, yeah you know and and I uh, from a from an arts perspective it was obviously a great great con in that regard. Um, I mean, we had a million laughs. Uh, yeah, I just I thought it was terrific, man. I just I loved every minute of it. Well, um, I'm really looking forward to October because, as you said, we spend more time <laughs> together at New York than we do uh, at other cons because you're doing your hustle and, and Dap and I are, are digging. But in yep. New York, we seem to – we hit the show and we're like, all right, that's enough for now. And <laughs> then we do other things together. So if anyone yeah. – if any of the, the slackers come – They'll get more um, quality time in New York City with us, but we get more quality time with each other, which is why here, why New York is great. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. So now we shall talk the comics, mm. and there is something that uh, we all read. For Multiple. This... Well, oh well, I was going to say no, not yeah. Steve, but yeah, um, mm-hmm. for this episode, it is uh, recently delivered from Image Comics, uh, Skybound. 
written and illustrated by the great Tilly Walden with gray tones by Cliff Rathburn. It is the uh, much-anticipated Clementine book one. Much-anticipated. Yes. And uh, I think pound for pound, it is a massive value. What is this book? 230, 40 pages? I mean, it's a whopper of a book. Yeah, yeah. Is is Skybound Comic and Comet a new imprint? Is this the first book under that imprint? I've never seen it before, so I'm guessing, right? Uh, Um, Yeah, you're right, David. I didn't notice. But yes, Skybound Comet. I guess so, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what different what separates that from other parts of Skybound, but um. uh, yeah, and it begins with an egregious amount of pull quotes, like <laughs> like like a, like a lot. Yes. No, a, a ton. But I, I, in retrospect, after I finished it, I was like, okay, I I get it. I, I get why why they had so many uh, celebrity endorsements for this thing because, um, well, let's just get into it. Um, uh, um, it is a young adult middle grade graphic novel imprint. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it, it, so, it's yeah. odd because while it is a young adult, it doesn't. Um, the narrative doesn't flow downwards to an age level. I think right. it flows where it flows, and it expects the readership to to rise to the challenge. And I do wonder if because Clementine is from the Telltale. Um, yeah game so i do wonder if uh, they probably know i don't know how many um young adult or, or or grade school kids were playing the game that might carry over into the book i don't know how many grade school and young adults are were watching are watching the walking dead so i'm not i it's as a standalone book we're going to get into it but i'm just i'm i'm it's interesting that a walking dead spinoff would be one of the first forays in, into this imprint. Yeah, it's um, it's a weird animal because the game was mature. Yeah, the show was mature, and yet this mm-hmm. is this is young adults. So, I, I, but it it wasn't excessive. I mean, it it's all basically cartoon violence. I mean, that's why you can get yeah. away with it because these people aren't really alive, right? They're zombies. Yeah, so yeah. Well, it what, is baffling that she is only twenty six years old. By the way, <laughs> like, she has done more in her career than than most yeah. graphic novels would yeah. be. You know, I look at some of the marks and I'm thinking this person has been doing this for decades and it's she hasn't even been alive for many decades. No, dude. So, I mean, it, yeah, uh, the End of really... Summer was her first published book. That was 2015. I don't remember. I mean, I, I assume she was working on it for a year or two before it came out, So, but, but that would put her at... Uh, so let's say she started it in 2013, so she would have been 18 years old. Her her sense of composition is akin to a cinematographer's. She knows what to include in the frame to to not only tell the story but to tell it with vigor, right? And yeah. and, and I just I'm stunned that this person is not even thirty. So, um, it's, it's, I have no. Well, I shouldn't say that. My only association with Clementine was from the. Uh, skybound 10 mm-hmm. um anthology that's it i mean i never played the game um what i'm guessing is uh she had a caretaker named lee yeah an african-american man that somehow yep. succumbed while defending her life yep. um, yeah and uh she was bitten by a walker and had to have her um lower left leg 
amputated. She survived the experience. Um, and she's a tough little cookie. I mean, um, we'll get into the the uh, the character of Clementine, but I think uh, were she not, I, I don't know how fleshed out she is in the game. Uh, Jason, you played the game, right? I did. I love the game. Yeah. Um, is she as fully real, realized in the game as she is in this book? Um. Well, I think. The nature of a point-and-click game makes that difficult, although there are tons of transition scenes. So you do get to know her and Lee and some of the other characters pretty well. Um, but, no, I would say not. I mean, not to mention that that in in the game she's a, she's a young child. Uh, you know, she's she's like a prepubescent child in that. And in this, obviously, she's, she's a, you know, a young woman. Um, so, it, it, so, no, I mean, I would say not. All right. But I think uh, Clementine is a very vivid character. Uh, having not encountered her, uh, albeit, I mean, okay, only briefly in an anthology, I came out of this first volume knowing her, or at least as well as I could, uh, given the information in this first volume. I think that's a major feat, because um, I'll be totally honest, uh I think a lot of the sequences uh, or, or the handling of the characters in this book rivals Kirkman's uh, for Walking Dead. I mean, mm-hmm. the, 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 she she's so smart and, and puts these characters in, in uh, circumstances where had you not cared about them, you would have just, you know, kept flipping the page. But there's some real, you know, nail biters in this book. And they, they they're only successful because of the the vividness and and the the, the fleshed outness of the characters. So, um, for sure. So, so uh, I forget. I mean, have have either of you read any of Tilly's stuff yet? I forget. Um, um I have I, I have most of her stuff, but no. And you haven't, right, Vince? I've read zero. Other than this, nothing. Yeah, that, that's why I'm so fascinated by this, because I, I would say that just us talking about it and leading with it is an indication of what a success this this idea was. Now, I don't, I, I'm going to assume it was Kirkman's idea to approach Tilly with this. Yeah. But, I mean, this was when it was announced, what, two, two and a half years ago, I guess, because, um, you know, it's pre-pandemic and then she had to work on it. Um, it was a, It was one of those, wait, you know, what the type of things, because Tilly is certainly... Uh, b- beloved and an up and coming star, uh, but but certainly her, the crux of her work. Not only does she write and draw her own stuff, but it's been largely uh, either directly autobiographical or um, you know or drawing from from her personal life in in different settings. Like on a sunbeam is a sci fi book, but um, you know, and, and and obviously far afield from anything that one would deem like a commercial crossover success or hit um you know and and then and then like so it's this weird mashup like you said where you're taking the the telltale game and the character from that and then putting her into the the actual at least uh you know for whatever it matters i'm not sure it matters but but in in the world in the official walking dead universe and then having freaking tilly walden and and not only that but like clearly in retrospect after reading it I mean, she was given full carte blanche. I mean, 
Robert entrusted her to just tell her story. I, I don't in 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 seeing some um, written interviews with her after uh, she started the process, like he didn't direct her on this. Like it was, you know, once they agreed that she was going to do it, like she had freedom to do it however she wanted. It wasn't like there was a narrative they had to kind of collaborate on, and, and she just she took it and ran with it. Uh, we all have varying opinions on Kirkman and his craft, but as a businessman, uh, I think he's he's one of the best. He he has an uncanny sense of of uh, making things work or 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 pulling things out of his hat that you never expected him to 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 do. I think this is one of them. It's just really smart to to get someone. Uh, and I, I only say this after having read it. If I didn't read it at all, I wouldn't have this opinion, obviously. But uh, to get somebody uh, like Tilly to touch Walking Dead, that's it's so strange on the one hand, and on the other, it makes a whole lot of sense. Right? It is. And, and like, the whole thing, there's, I just, there's so much karmic continuity in all of this. Like, you know, we mentioned how young Tilly is, but Tilly got started making comics because she went to a workshop that Scott McCloud was having. <laughs> and, and like, you know, again, we, you know, so when you think of Scott McCloud, right, you think about the guy who literally wrote the book on how to make comics. And then the guy who wrote the book on how to make comics gives a workshop to a young woman, a, ch- a child, who attends it and, and then says, is so inspired by the workshop, she sets out to make comics and then becomes an instant titan. Right. You know? I, I like to tease you about your uh, your love of, you know, a uh, teenage girl coming to terms yeah, with her yeah. sexuality mm-hmm. books. But, I mean, if, if Tilly's stuff is that, I would read them after having read this. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, she's the... She's probably the, the the flag bearer of that uh, right. of that genre. The, the last uh, that's okay. I mean, yeah. I'll dive in if, if it look if those books look as good as this, I'll read them because visually, I mean, we haven't talked about the story yet, but visually, I think this is a really uh, it's a command performance. Yeah, and on, on a sunbeam is is probably her most acclaimed and commercially successful work to date. I mean, it's on a lot of you know best. It's the largest, of- right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it, and that is a sci-fi epic. I mean, it is also. I mean, every one of her stories in some way has has a female protagonist who is coming of age. But 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 that book is is much more grand in scale and and uh, you know not as autobiographical. And it's amazing. Um, I I've talked about most of her works over the years on the show. I mean, her 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 this sort of the first work I was familiar with of hers was Spinning, and T- Tilly was a. Um, was a was a competitive ice skater growing up, uh, and and spinning is is a, a story her story of that uh, being an ice skater moving across the country from New Jersey to Texas and and also dealing with the fact that she she she's a lesbian she she I mean she she feels as though she knew she was a lesbian from like a very early age like five or six years old um, so yeah I mean so so uh, yeah she's she's amazing I, I've always said I'd love to interview her I, I, but she's kind of that she's in that same um, you know, she's in that literary category, right? Where she has a literary agent, and and she just doesn't, she doesn't just like do interviews. You know, you have to kind of, <laughs> you have to, right. you have to remember. And yeah. then if she if she did any uh, due diligence and listened to older episodes, eh, chances are good she probably wouldn't come on with us. <laughs> I don't know about that. But so uh, yeah, maybe Kelly Thompson will put a good word in for it. That's yeah. right. Yeah, you never know. So, uh, Jason, let's start it off. Tell him about it. I mean, we don't have to go through the whole thing, but um, it, it's a journey. Yeah, I mean, quite literally, right? The, right. This, so this takes place um, 
years after the Walking Dead comic takes place, uh, and years after for the, because I would imagine a lot of people are coming into this from the Telltale game side. Like I'm sure there was a lot of people that played that game that maybe weren't into the comic, or at least not. I'm sure it's not pure overlap. Oh, so the game is post Rick. No, the game is is concurrent. What I'm saying is this comic takes place years after uh, the, she, the, the Kirkman she, comic and the game because she's little in the game. Yeah, the game. The, the very first, I mean, the opening stanza of the game is 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 her little her you know little Clementine trying to escape from her her town block where her parents were killed. I mean, uh, that's that's the premise of the game. Cool. Um, so yeah, so but she's a, a young woman now, and uh, and she's by herself and. And and it's it's also clear that it's been a while because not only she she grows up but but um, her and and uh, and as we meet others their demeanor about the Walking Dead about the about zombies the undead are, is just totally different now right like there's no panic anymore I mean she's she's just matter of factly one walk about with her one leg and her crutch and just when she comes across the undead I mean she doesn't even like flinch it's just okay let me kill them here and keep walking i mean they're just not, like it's just becomes such a rote way of life for those that are still living in this world that that it it, it it's even more that their background than uh th- than they were in in kirkman's comic it's just like they they just are there and uh they're no more or less dangerous than if you come across a snake or or uh you know a cavernous drop that you you lose your footing on it's just just a just a hazard you have to be mindful of and and as long as you're mindful of it it's really not that big of a deal and that's what took me aback uh the the first sequence was you have this young lady alone on crutches with a prosthetic leg she she doesn't have a gun or or uh you know a hatchet or a baseball bat with barbed wire on it she's just walking through the forest which is treacherous enough for someone on crutches, right, with a prosthetic leg. And then she's beset by the undead, and not just one, but like five or six, you know. And just she just keeps moving. She just keeps going on her way, and it's just another day, right? Mm-hmm. It's just another day in the woods. And, and she's beset upon some young Amish girls. Yeah, which I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I don't know. It just struck me as a really interesting choice. Well, it is Pennsylvania, uh, right? Right, but but just right. You just, I guess, I kind of assume they would all have been dead, but but she makes the case that they would actually be pretty good at surviving because they're used to living in isolation and in a community. And and you but, see what she's got to go through to get into the town. Yeah, with, with, the, with all their security set up. So yeah, it was smart. But but they're not. Like um, the the uh, gatherings in Walking Dead, where um, it's it's assume the worst, and then if you grow on us, maybe we'll let you into the fold. In this situation, well, they just real. like they're like, yeah, they're like come on in. Uh, you can't have a gun, but you can right, have yep. a knife and small you know small weapons. But yeah, come on in. Oh, and while you're here, go see Rabby. He'll fix you up because her leg, mm-hmm. her prosthetic is is messed up and it's causing her discomfort. And the, one of the things that really surprised me was Rabbi's like, you know, we really need to wash this more. And Clem's like, wash it. <laughs> you know, she mm-hmm. didn't even think to to cleanse her her um, her stump, right? And yeah. is, that, is that okay to say? Yeah, stump. I think stump? So. Yeah. Um, but the the. Uh, 
the compassion and the 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 givingness of these people was a, 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 really strange because he takes the time not only to to tend to her but he builds her a, a new and better prosthetic like he doesn't even know her and he he just opens up the gates and gives her whatever she needs oh i put some uh the old ways uh, have come back into the fore so he gives her some some what was it a root or bark or something to help her with the pain yeah and he yeah. gives her more for the road because you're going to need it and here's what you do wash it tend to it you know um, he wraps her leg and shows her how to wrap like he really does spend a lot of time with her for no other reason than to help her like there's no creepy kirkman um you know <laughs> fet- fetishizing the, the stump or you know it's just benign uh, well i think it's more than benign it, it, it it's benevolent he's just helping her become better and i thought that yep. was really really neat yeah it's it's a total juxtaposition against every time in the comic that we came across a community yeah and, and each community was different and they weren't all pure some were just outright totally fucked up others were not and had the best of intentions but things went wrong but this one is a fully functioning totally benign trusting vibrant community yeah. like with with no ulterior motives they don't view her as a resource or someone with which to take advantage of or worried about her t- it's just a, a community and and it's a, i i don't know again I, what i don't know is i don't know how much tilly knew of the walking dead comic uh, I don't know if she knew it, and that's why she wanted to do this. I don't know if she didn't know it, but then after talking with Robert about this project, then read some of it. I don't know if she, you know, played the game or or watched the TV show. I, I don't know her views on this world that she decided to take a piece of and inhabit. But I, uh, I, I did find this opening stanza as almost this interesting way of her saying, "Yes, I'm going to tell you a Walking Dead story, but it's much different than the stories you're used to reading." I got a this is mine uh right. vibe yeah. from it. Yeah. Yeah. Like like this is Tilly Walden's story. It's set in the Walking Dead universe, but but this is a different way of looking at that world. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's refreshing. If it, it, it was. It, yeah. After having read um a hundred plus issues of Walking Dead, this was a really nice change of pace. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, Clementine's not your average uh young lady. I mean, even in the Walking Dead universe, she's distant, she's hard, she's detached, uh, very suspicious, overly cautious, she's road-weary. But the the thing that I pulled out of the book is she has an issue with permanence. Like, she knows somehow that she's going to survive, and she dreads it to some extent, because um, she's seen a lot of people fade into the past, right? and and she she doesn't make connections easily for that very fact like well they're not going to stick around whether they die or leave or and I'll be on my own again so why bother but i mean it's a very unique um approach to the character her being so young like you, you try and put yourself in that mindset if what is she maybe 16 17 years old around there she thinks she's 17 right yeah right and to to just have walled yourself off from the world such as it is i mean she could have stayed in the amish village and just 
prospered or, or thrived to a certain extent, right? But no, I'm just going to keep going. I don't want to be with y'all because it's eventually going to turn to shit anyway, and I'll be on my mm-hmm. own. Uh, that's it's it's very scary, and it, it it's it's again it's it's a it's a refreshing take on on this universe. But yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Either one of you. Uh, the um, just just continuing that that theory that that, that idea because we've we know <laughs> I, we're 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 used to. I mean, anybody who's watched the show knows that you know we don't see much of a change in the seasons. It's always hot because they never get out of Atlanta. Um, but it's also a group. So even even when you have children uh like coral or any of the girls you you you, that was for you um you know you you see them in you see them being 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 raised being brought up and 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 learning things and here you know it it took me a second to realize that you know here's here's a young girl a, a, a teenager who's been on her own for a while and 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 when we get to the part in the book where, where where they're reading through by 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 torch, it's like, but they're 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 trying to pronounce words and enunciate and and understand the meanings of words. And I'm like, motherfucker, like this makes perfect sense. Like it, I never I never in a million years would have thought to write a story where you know put myself in in this situation where why would I why would I not think that you know things that I just take for granted that that, that, that I learn thanks to other people around me. Um, it, it was just there were little things like that, like 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 her and the other kids trying to understand words, and I'm like, this, that's just that that just added a whole other layer to 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 what would have been just a standard you know not a zombie story, but just it's it's little things like that that just elevated it beyond anything that I was expecting. Yeah, right? and the words conceptually dovetail into the narrative they're just not words they're words that mean something in right. in the context of the story so i mean you have another layer of of thought going into this i mean they weren't talking about like the word wasn't boxcar no you know, it, it was it was probable yeah improbable yeah. it was word words that that actually Mean something in light of the circumstances. So yeah, mm-hmm. she's she's ridiculous. It's it's, it's so silly uh, how mm. how good she is. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, and 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 like you said, I mean Clementine is pretty jaded. I mean, and if in another way, it's what's interesting is that um, I think one of the themes that run throughout this book, because most of the char- most of the characters that we come across are of the same vintage age wise. These are the these are the Walking Dead generation. These are the these are the you know these were kids when when the world changed, little kids. So 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 they're just like our our you know you get the digital generation in our in our real world where the 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 kids say like my youngest son's age and and below have grown up in a world with ubiquitous internet and personal devices and to the point where. That's going to shape them, right? For for good and bad. But but the way that they experience the world, connectivity, privacy, all of those things is just totally different because they're native to it. It's it, they they don't they literally don't know any different. Whereas us old heads, right? We still have vague memories and can compare what life was like pre all that stuff. Same thing here. I mean, Clementine and and all the other people like Amos and everyone else that we meet as the book goes on are native to this. They they don't know a world where there aren't 
uh, walk, you know, Walking Dead and 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 zombies that are um, capable of of killing anyone that you love if you're not uh, heads if your head's not on a swivel at all times, yeah. and and they don't they also have been taught to not trust people and to not stay in one place for long and to not build roots because every time they've ever done it, everyone they've known and loved has been wiped out. So it's just the way that their their brains and their entire sociology are wired to that. It's it's not even like a choice. It's just the way that they see the world. Uh, and you mentioned Amos. I, I love this little kid. Sure. Yeah. Little Amish boy. Yeah. He's yeah. from the same village. Yeah. Uh, so optimistic. Um, he he thinks in absolutes like Clementine, but his absolutes are, are far more optimistic than hers. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going and on. And sees the this. good in everybody. Try oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, totally unlike me. But um, <laughs> he he's embarking on this rite of passage called rumspringa yes and i had yeah. i hadn't heard that since uh since since bruce rosenberger i was just to say shout out to bruce rosenberger reading yes. this book right yeah yeah, yeah. no that's who i thought of as well right yeah um and he's going to vermont to help build a, a sturdy mountain sanctuary on this this uh rise called mount killington <laughs> which i love it's yeah. one, of the, one of the places i learned how to snowboard did you really yeah Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and his reward, this is what got me, and it just it, it grabbed my, my heart. Uh, his reward for doing all this was he was going to get a plane flight. Yeah. <laughs> someone on the other end has access to a plane and knows how to fly it, and the kid just wants to be in the air. And he, what does that say to you? He wants to be elevated above all this this nastiness and this this status quo and he wants to just dream for a little while just yep, doesn't just, care where it goes no just wants to be up there and it's it's just it on the one hand it, it's it's a beautiful sentiment but on the other hand it's just like oh my god it just rips your guts out that that a person so young would would have aspirations to just escape just yep. re- remove me from this this garbage. For and Clementine's just, having none of it. She no, it is bullshit. She's like, she's like, if you're lucky, this is all just a scam. Yeah, like it could be much worse. Yeah, but she does travel with them. Something about the kid. Yeah, uh, you know, worms under her skin, and and she she jumps in the old buggy, and then. It, it, uh, there, this was the one of the few sequences in the book where I couldn't really decipher what was going on. The the sequentials were a little on the vague side when when he picked when he saves the family mm. from the zombie horde. It looked like a mother and a father and a child, and uh, they 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 jump into the back of the buggy, and at some point. Uh, Amos is driving and Clementine's in the back and the father does something like I don't know if he's he's reaching out handsy maybe it's unclear right there's there's really no definitive take on it like he he's reaching out for something whether it's to I don't know but Clementine gets immediately defensive um, as she's learned and um, it's they end up going off on on um, Helen, the horse, and Amos gives the family the buggy. Yep. Like one of the few things that can separate you from the walkers and you just give it away. Mm-hmm. Like what is wrong with you, kid? But 
they he's they, just an optimist i, I mean, know he was raised that way i mean I, I i don't profess to be an expert in amish culture but what, what i what I do know, uh, it would seem to be in line with that, right? Like being, and, and as would the the incident you were saying when she first got there of them making the prosthetic for her and giving her medicine. It's it just it's uh, it's to be of service, right? That's really kind of the core right. tenet well, of that's, Amish living, right? That's some some top tier service right there. No doubt, but I mean, yeah. it's, he, he's living it, right? He's living his he's living he's respect for him, he's living his best life. Yeah, respect. Mm-hmm. But um, his reward for doing that is is to have his uh, his companion shot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, poor Helen. Uh, poor Helen. Um, they encounter uh, two girls, twins, that they they call left and right. But well, Ricka do- does, and Rick is uh, absolutely my favorite character. In the book. I love Amos, but but Ricka. Oh, me too. An instant is yeah. I mean, but yeah, she's like I call that one left and the other one right. Or long hair, or 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 down hair left and ponytail right. But it's just it's it was per I, her interactions, her conversations with with. With Clementine, with Amos, it it just it it made the the last half of the book just sing. It went by yeah. super quick when she was introduced. I see a lot of Marcy in Ricca from Peanuts. <laughs> yeah, okay. But left and right do have names. Yes. Uh, left Olivia is Olivia, and, and right is Georgia. And um, right is not a good person. Mm-hmm. No, she's a. Uh, She's an evil. I think evil applies. An evil, manipulative person. Uh, but I, oh. it just didn't. She just didn't become this. There. I mean, it's shown in the book why she's like yeah, this. Yeah. So I don't think. I don't think we should spoil that. This thing and, just and, did come out. Like what? Last week or today or when did it come out? Last Wednesday. Last Wednesday. A- Amos. Amos. Though, God love him. He's like. I can't believe how different they look. They're identical twins, bro. No, her eyes are much brighter. I'm like, yeah. are you killing me? I love it. Yeah. I love it. But, I mean, I, again, I think we should keep s- some stuff off the yes. table. Just yeah, yeah, the, right. The gist is they Amos and Clem show up to this to Killington to for this supposed, you know, they, they're envisioning, well, Amos is envisioning that it's this gigantic infrastructure project that he's being drafted into. And when they get there, it's just it's just three people, you know. Yeah. And they're and they're and they're the and the, and and at least to this point, they're led to believe that they're the only two that have answered the call. Right. And and amidst great hardship and destruction, I mean, there's a couple of avalanches, and uh, I mean, these kids are survivors uh, for the most part, and um, it it uh, it comes to a, a brief conclusion. It is continued. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be a book two and a book three, yeah. but uh, there are point, points in the book where uh, you can see that Ricca has designs um, or uh, affection for Clementine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Clementine just will not return it. She won't. Right. She's she's. I, I, I and also I, think that that's just because she's she doesn't know how. It, it, it's right, but I'm just like breathe. Let her in. Yes. She's obvi- yeah. like she's she's not throwing herself at you, but I mean everything. But right, I mean they sleep together, they study together, mm-hmm. they 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 almost died together, right? So I mean, but when you've suffered that amount of trauma, how does how do you even right? You can't put yourself. I can't conceptualize put, right. coming of age, right? I mean, and I think that's another interesting component to this as a 
fan of Tilly's other work is that is that aspect of her. She's clearly worked through in her prior works that concept in a lot of different ways. This idea right. of a young woman coming into her own sexuality, being lesbian, coming to terms with love in a world where there's uncertainty there, and she's take she's tackled it in lots of different ways. Uh, and and, and it, it just speaks to how smart she is. And again, I don't know how. I assume because of how good she is that she must have spent a decent amount of time before embarking on this understanding Kirkman's world. Uh, but like this really did feel like, oh, what if Tilly's lead protagonist from her other books was put, you know, other lead protagonists from other books were put into the walking dead world. And it would be like, yeah, they'd, they'd be so traumatized. Like the last thing on their mind would be figuring out if they're attracted to someone and falling in love. Like it just right. wouldn't be, you know, but I mean, so as very deep those feelings, but as an observer, uh, with a bird's eye view of everything that's going on, there's always a part of you, uh, or at least there is of me, that that you know, there's I'm part romantic, and I just want sure you know some kind of fulfillment or 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 emotion amidst all this chaos. And I was just like the thing that got me about Rika, and I think it's one of the best mm-hmm. parts of the book, mm-hmm. was when she was uh, recounting her days with her brother. And her brother was much older than her. Yeah. And he would. Um, it, it's it's almost a treatise on escaping manipulation. Yeah. Where where he would send her into very dangerous situations. Right. And she had a. a she, her eyes aren't the best, so she's very dependent on her glasses. And he smashed mm-hmm. her glasses in order to control her, because without him. She, all she saw were, were shapes and colors. Like there, nothing was very sharply defined. So he would send her into situations, and then one day, he sent her into this uh, place, and she's feeling around, and she came upon a wall of glasses. So it was probably an optometrist, or a, you know, some kind of an eye doctor, or or like a like a, a vision center or whatever. And she found a pair of glasses that worked, and she said, "Fuck you." She just left him. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, bro. You're, you know, you're not going to manipulate me anymore. Not and I, th- I thought that was, I mean, that's a character moment that was painted in, you know, blazing neon green. This is who I am. Screw you. I'm not your plaything. I'm out of here. That's a brilliant take on that character. I think that's why um, I think Ricka is the one. I mean, aside from Clementine, I think Clementine is, is the most vivid character in this whole book. But uh, a close second will be Ricka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the part where she she like she goes off about how she owns thirty six pair of glasses. Yes, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, it for real? How smart these and resources yeah. these these kids are because again, like they're native. This is you you hoard resources wherever you can find them, and yep. then you understand the thing. For her, these glasses, like you said, she's pretty blind. Like it would be like not having insulin. I mean, yep. if she doesn't have glasses in a world where. You have to make sure there's not something trying to kill you an inch away. You 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 better be able to. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I would I would sell my body for a pair of clicky glasses if I was in this universe. I'd <laughs> be like, yeah. that I need I, them. They, they, <laughs> I, they, Go ahead. No, no. I um, it just the whole number with 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 the glasses. It just it, earlier on when when Amos was talking about changing shirts and 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 Clementine's like, well, how many shirts do you have? It's like, well, sixteen. She's like, well, damn. <laughs> if, if you brought seventeen, you know, we'd be okay. But it's like, it's just. I just 
these numbers are so random and and it's just it seems so, like 17 shirts but yeah i mean amos is obviously he doesn't need shirts as much as rick needs to be able to see no. but it is just it there was I that thought you would love clementine for sure dad because i mean i know sometimes you don't love uh like kids and, and whatnot but like i thought you'd like clem because she is so like witty and she's yes. got tattooed but like she's 100%. smart too like she just like doesn't tolerate the she doesn't tolerate the fuck the, the no. fuckness she's fantastic like, like well I, I knew it. he'd like rick because if you're an idiot she's got no time for you like that's it yeah exactly right but rick is a member of the tribe that's right yeah that's right sure. she's over there praying in the plane too that's right crazy. right but the thing about amos and the shirts he's like jason said he's living his best life in accord to his the beliefs that he was taught cleanliness is next to godliness you got to present a clean exterior Yes. And the way to do that is with clean shirts. World, right where there there aren't resources, there aren't clothing stores, it's there nuts. aren't yeah. water, there aren't like you know, it's like <laughs> it's not easy. Dude's worrying about a clean shirt. Like stop, yeah. He's yeah. my little my little man. <laughs> you know, I think the book does a nice job. Tilly does a nice job um, doing the flashbacks. I mean, certainly with most of the characters, they're they're characters she's created, so the flashbacks are of her own doing. But like. She does show you Clementine's journey and Lee and, and you know, which is drawn from the, the video game. And I, I think that's super important because, again, if you're trying to understand these characters, I mean, think about if you lived in a world where uh, every person you've allowed yourself to love and not like in a romantic way, just trust, view as family, like view as your protector. Uh, if you were in the position, not only where you, you've seen them all die, but you have had to make the conscious choice to kill them or to end their existence. Right, right. Right, like, like, I, I, I would imagine it'd be pretty hard. At some point, you'd be pretty steeled to the idea of letting someone in into your circle. Or it, it would be exhausting. Yeah, yeah, yeah just to the point where, yeah, I'm just not going to get up today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think she did a phenomenal job. Um, to to further flesh out the tease, I, I absolutely love this book. I, I'm so glad to hear you say that. Um, you know, for for those that don't know what I'm talking about, the tease we were chatting on the the Slack, and as as Vince likes to tease, I he sometimes gets excited on on a Wednesday and talks about save stuff for the show. And I always say, dude, you got to save it for the show because <laughs> I don't like inevitably if you a secondary reaction or trying to recapture a reaction to something. Yeah, something you're gonna that, blow your watch. Oh yeah. no, it's not. It's it, it's not not genuine. I, right, I, right. I would never spoil the moment like but that. But you did. Le- you gave a. I think a, a. You you didn't cross the line, but you gave a teaser because there's another book that you and I read. Yeah, I don't know if Dap has any intention at least now. Not no. any intention of reading. Uh, if and, he's smart. And, <laughs> and, and you and but you said to me in the tease, uh, I'm paraphrasing because I don't know. But you said something effective like one of the books I was completely nonplussed by, and the other one I was completely enthralled by. Or yeah. Something like that. yeah, yeah. And and I was thinking, okay, well. One is a Tilly Walden Walking Dead book, and again, to this point, you haven't shown much interest in reading Tilly's work, and you were the first of us to tap out of Walking Dead. Yeah. And then the other book, which we'll mention, is the newest graphic novel drawn by a friend of the show, and you're someone who you hold in very high regard, Ben Mara. Yes! I thought, oh man, I'm like, so when you said that to me, I thought, oh, okay, that's on brand, like, he really liked <laughs> the Ben Mara book. <laughs> And and the Tilly book like for him was a struggle, you know. And, yeah. and I and I, but then I thought, oh man, like it's going to be so fascinating to me and interesting and 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 intriguing if 
you said it because it was the other way around. Yeah. And needless to say, although we haven't talked about the other book yet, given that you just led with how much you enjoyed Clementine, I, I, I'm you, you flipped the script on me. I did. That's what I like to do. But uh, before at, we move on, I mean, wait. I'm guessing full disclosure: we, I, I read Clementine digitally, okay, and yeah. it. I, I enjoyed it so much that I believe that it needs to be on my shelf. So I ordered the uh, physical copy. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious to know what the trim size is on that because it's, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, I'm holding it in my hand. It's, um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have the measurements here handy, but it's, 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 um, it's smaller than a regular comic. It's, uh, I'm going to say, let's see. Slightly here. larger than manga. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like, um, it's bigger than like the dark horse digest. Um, it's about kind of like on the sunbeam. About seven by 10. About. That's about right. Yeah. Because yeah, the, the the digital the the looks a little um distorted, not not all that clean. So I'm, I was wondering if if they're if right. it was resized for digital. I like the grittiness of it. I do too. I just don't necessarily care for fonts and word balloons to be blurry. But yeah, I mean, as far as the line work, that that that's fine. But yeah, no, I I I I'm going to get this as well. Yeah, it is um, eight ninety nine. Say what? The physical copy is eight ninety nine this month. At six by nine. Oh, okay. So, nice. Mm-hmm. Great job, Tilly. I'm sorry, I haven't read your other stuff, but yeah, I, I'll, I I'll pulled, change that. I, I was wrong. I I have on a sunbeam on the on the shelf on my desk, and um, the end of summer is on the other bookshelf. So that's what I have from her, and that's what I will be reading very soon. Yay! So. Do you want to briefly touch on on disciples before we move on? Or yeah, why not? Why I mean, we'll be quick with it, I guess. Based on so, disciples is a book that uh, I'm I'm I was probably equally excited by anticipate excited by the anticipation of it. Um, uh, it is a it is fanographics. Uh, it is uh, an original graphic novel uh, co created by David Burke, Nicholas McCarthy. And Ben Mara. Um, now, Burke and McCarthy are well-known horror uh, movie writers. Uh, I'm curious if you had an existing opinion of their work or them as horror writers before going into this. Um, I mean, I've seen a couple of the movies. Um, yeah. I've seen uh, what was it? Um, I know that Benedetta, The Pact. I've yeah, seen the pact, the pact, yeah. And L and Benedetta are the three big ones. I right. Uh, I didn't see. I haven't seen Benedetta. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, 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 I don't discount them at all. I thought they were fine for what they were. I mean, uh, in terms of contemporary horror, they're certainly not Midsummer, right? They're, they're, sure. They're, sure. But yeah. they're they're watchable. Uh, I, I, I've I had seen the pact as well. I haven't seen the others. So. Yeah, I, I had no no uh, qualms with them. I thought they were just fine. Yeah, so and so so Burke did Benedetta and L, and McCarthy did the pack. So I guess I, I'm we're both familiar with McCarthy, but we I'm not, not I'm not as familiar with I was not as familiar with Burke. But uh, the the premise of this book is seemingly like right up Ben's aisle, right? It's it's uh, in in a in 1978, uh, two two young high school girls, Clara and Wendy, um, are lured away from their home uh, by an interesting character that they've met. And uh, and they they disappear, and five months later, 
Uh, one of them, Clara, is um, reappears, and uh, she's much the worse for wear at a at a nearby park. And uh, and and then we, you know, we quickly find out she was part. She was they were in indoctrinated into or, or victims of a cult, a, like a murder cult, not similar to say like the 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 Manson cult and charismatic uh, leader yeah 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 like the you know and then and then we fast forward to modern times where clara has moved on with her life she's got a grown daughter now uh, and uh, they're they're living some semblance of a normal life and uh clara gives a agrees to be part of a kind of a a, a news line or 60 minutes type of documentary about that cult um, where she she does an interview and 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 uh, the cult as 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 it were the cult was responsible for a ton of murders back then in the seventies and uh, but but they never they never caught anybody and the cult just kind of disappeared and uh, and and you can I mean people can guess I mean this is a, a Ben Mara fanographics book you can guess what what happens from there it gets super hyper violent and the cult comes back and we learn all about. Uh, Clara's involvement, and it wasn't what she said it was, and 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 uh, and she gets re reindoctrinated into it, and her daughter has to uh, to fight against that, or, or 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 does she? And 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 you know, we there's all kinds of acts in the book meant to shock and awe. Um, so yeah, like like on on paper, like if you were mapping this out, this would be a no brainer, like perfect project right for 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 the for the parties involved like this should like this could easily have been ben's best work to date right like there certainly was the opportunity for that and i haven't really heard your thoughts as 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 i've already said but i i will say that for me i think this suffers from the fact that it's been having to draw these guys much more i mean this isn't like a i was gonna say like like basic story I, that's not fair because i mean there there are um uh certainly extreme or transgressive ideas and and images evoked in this book but it certainly doesn't have the wild unpredictable comic should be ridiculous whimsy that the majority of ben's catalog has and, and that's i think where i was left thinking like oh, okay like it felt it sounds ridiculous to say it felt safe considering it's a book about a murderous vampiric set of cult killers. <laughs> but, but, it, but in, in, in a lot of ways it felt safe to me, like That's vi- the, uh, visually and, and, and story wise. Yeah, exactly. The, the, in terms of the visuals, Ben plays it fairly straight. Yeah. I mean, we were all in on the joke right. initially where, uh, the first time we encountered him, I, I, I think it was Gangsta Rap Posse or it something was, yeah. something yeah. around that time. No, and, it was that. Yeah. And I said, um, this guy is, is is playing a joke. He's he's pulling the wool over our, our eyes. The intentional manglings of human anatomy would lend someone to believe that he doesn't he or he didn't have a grasp on drawing. And he, but he did he, all of the like the giant hands or the the out of proportion heads 
or all all of the little uh, Ben Mara-isms that he infused his his uh, human characters with and, and were all intentional. And I said that right from the beginning that this guy is, is he's the Andy Kaufman. It's a joke. This is, is totally intentional. And it was because he's been in, in, in uh, other um, art related uh, journals and, and, and shows and stuff where his work, you could tell he is a consummate illustrator. He does have a grasp on, 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 all of the elements of design and human anatomy and you can draw all that stuff. But I think uh, it was nice. It was refreshing for me to see Ben try and do it uh, quote by the numbers, but um, he is Ben Mara. So he's not going to do it exactly by the numbers. The, right. the real joy in this book for me. And I think Ben Mara's contribution is, is worth the price of the book alone. I, I'll straight out say that. I think the visuals are great. Um, it's, it's when he mixes the abstract with the representational that I think some of these sequences are among his very best, like the, the feeding dance later on in the, the book where they're all dancing around that, that creature type thing. And he yep. gets, he gets very Miller-esque with his, 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 uh, splattery whites. Mm -hmm. And I think that sequence is great. Like, I want to see more of that from Ben Mara. Um, no, I, I, I have no, absolutely no problem at all with the visuals. I, I think Ben did what Ben does really well. Right. Uh, it's a very idiosyncratic, albeit tamed version of Ben Mara, and that's what I came for. Uh, had Ben Mara's book or, or name not been on the cover, I probably wouldn't have ordered this. I'll oh, be, same. Yeah, 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 I'll be totally honest. But yeah. can I talk a little bit about the cover? Just for a second. Yeah, sure. Uh, Fanographics just wasted money on this book because it comes yeah. it comes with a dust jacket. Uh, Y'all know my opinion on dust jackets. I'm not going to go there, but the production um, flourishes that are on the dust jacket. It has spot varnish on the title, on the uh, the contributors' names, on the uh, the eyes of Clara and on the back there's there's spot varnish on all the text the spot varnish is on the 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 dust jacket and on the cover of the hardcover yeah. so why did you do a, a dust jacket you just wasted money this book yeah. does not need a dust jacket in in I'm fact it's going in the damn garbage as soon as i'm done uh, it's it's totally useless I mean, if not, yeah, the flaps are okay. And, and it, I mean, it legitimizes the book to a certain extent in the eyes of those who don't understand, right? Oh, it's a, it's a hardcover and it has a dust jacket with flaps. It must be legit. But um, so that just is a head scratcher to me to begin with. But my problem with the narrative is, like you said, it's, it's tame. It doesn't go far enough. The sex right. is not extreme enough. The violence is not over the top enough for me. It's. I thought the book was boring. Yeah, I, I, no, it, I agree. Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, if you're going to do uh, an investigation into a charismatic cult leader and his vampire acolytes, you don't really get to know the cult leader. Not I mean, at all. he, he sure. doesn't show up till late late in the book. Yeah. Um, there's really no explanation why Clara, who escaped 
the clutches of this this deadly group of people um she she reveals l late in the book that she actually um got off on the experience um when she's with her boyfriend and she's telling him all about it and she's she's cutting him that's one of the things the vampires do they have a uh, an extended nail or or nails on their hands where they they open the flesh and they drink your blood she's she's having sex with this guy and she's she's scratching him and she's drinking his blood and she's getting off on the experience much in the same way that she did with this group of vampires uh, they there's really no explanation other than that why she went back there there's there's no explanation as to why she put her family at risk she has a a niece who has a young child uh living with her because the the niece's husband flew the coop and now she's a single mother with a baby and no means to support it um she puts that girl in harm's way she puts the baby in harm's way he puts her daughter within the path uh i mean the daughter was targeted to begin with but um there, there's just not enough explanation for me and i and i know you're saying well it's basically an exploitation movie from the 70s on paper and it is you don't really need a whole lot of explanation as to why these characters do what they do but it would have been nice i mean just in terms of understanding the motivation of some of these people um they're vampires but they're not like they don't have reflections uh in a mirror and they can't go out in the sun. And they can't go out in the sun. But when, I mean, I'm just going to spill it. When when the, the cult leader dies, the uh, Billy Joe, when, when he dies, the vampires stop becoming vampires. And there's, right. a, there's a component of memory loss involved with transitioning. That, that really seemed to be what, the, what, the, what they were, that seemed to be the theme that they were trying to, to make this book about, right? This idea right. of... of of memory loss and trying to remember those that you care about because there was also each 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 of the cult members has a has a name tattooed on their wrist and uh someone dear and, to them right and and so, like that seemed to be the the because they and they keep talking about like oh, i don't remember you or who you know who i'm trying to remember and, and like that did seem to be the thing that was supposed to make this book the 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 aha what makes this different but but right. i'm with you it didn't it just never really connected and, no. and i was left thinking and, and you know you hate to do this like I, I like I really don't think it's it's fair to um to to just like compare one thing to another because ultimately everything's its own art and has to stand on its own. But I think it's just my the way my mind works and, and having read as many comics and talked about as many comics as we have, I I do find myself often making comparisons. Uh, sure, again, fair or not, and and I just was thinking like. It, you know, this was a. I can't speak to the writers, but 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 this this didn't feel as electric to me as 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 stuff I've seen Ben do otherwise, and and, and then as I was reading it, I'm thinking, well, like David Lapham, like wow, what would he would he what he what he what would he have done with these exactly themes? yeah like yeah. like he, like 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 he, he, David Lapham has played with these themes for hundreds of issues in well I guess maybe not it's triple uh, close to a hundred issues of Stray Bullets and like, has to be. Yeah. And, and 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 like done it repeatedly and well and 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 in a way that makes you feel awful <laughs> makes you feel like right feel feel the, the 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 depravity and the the dire nature of 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 that dark side of humanity and and then and then i was thinking you know similarly like while i'm i tired of it and 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 didn't read beyond the first arc like you know if we're talking about transgressive stuff that fanta's putting out now like well you know piscor is doing the red room stuff so like if you're trying to like gross me out 
I, you know, like uh, there's other people doing that too. So it's like it just yeah. it, didn't, it felt kind of like just it it just didn't feel like a a standout representation um, of anything that that I felt like it was trying to be. You know, yeah. David, there's a scene where uh, Clara's daughter Ren um, encountered Wendy, the woman. Uh, Clara's friend from way back. I think Wendy might be trans, right? I mean, oh, it seems that way. Yeah, or it's 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 ambiguous, which is good. Identify female pronouns. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, and and she specifically says that that Ren is usually attracted to women, and she was immediately attracted to Wendy. Um, so I'm going with that. It's ambiguous, right? right? Mm -hmm. But but um. Wendy puts her hand down Ren's pants and she's like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, I'm having my period. And Wendy's like, that's okay. And the, the concept of menstruation and vampires, it's been used to death, right? right? I mean, and, but it didn't, like, that would have been ample opportunity for me if I was the creative team on this to exploit the hell out of that situation. Right, but they, but but they don't. They don't. That's why I say, like, I don't disagree with you that, that 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 like Ben's visuals definitely are are the strong suit here. But but even with that, and and again, I'm who who am I? I'm not. But I thought why like that would have been an opportunity for for him to go nuts visually. Like yeah. zoom in on that. Like let's let's see the results of that. Let, yeah, let, like go let's all see a close up of her getting you know yeah. playing with her vagina with the menses. Like, get like, all if, Udo. If, you're if we're supposed to be shocked by that, then then give us the visual. Right. I wanted some kind of Andy Warhol's, you know, Blood for Dracula or something or or uh, there's a Mandy vibe to this. Not not specific yeah. to the narrative. No, I thought the same, but that's another I thought, uh, you know, I it, to your point, I I thought of Mandy and thought, man, like Mandy and like Pig, like 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 the like I'm seeing better movies like that kind of hit on these same vibes. Like yeah. it's just, I feel like I've seen better versions of what they were attempting on a lot of different levels in right years. right like the yeah. cult leader in mandy there's one line that makes his whole character like when when cage confronts him he's like come on man i'll suck your dick like that to me that <laughs> that is a brilliant line right there's none of that in this like there's there's really no comeuppance with the the bad guy and it's it's just it's strange like wendy or clara saves the quarter initially when she meets uh, I think it's Susie Smiles, and she's like, "Look, trust me. If not, here's a quarter for bus fare." And she kept the quarter because it was the quarter that got her out of the confinement. She used the quarter to take off the screws in the lock mechanism, and she saved it and gave it to her daughter Ren as a bracelet. So there's some kind of attachment to the past in this, but it doesn't it doesn't come out. It doesn't amount to anything. Like, like Jason said, is it a, a treatise on um, trying to to corral past events and hold them dear and and remember them over the course of time? Like, I don't know what this book is about. I really don't. Right, right. Yeah, that's the thing. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm not gonna say I'm disappointed. It was a quick read. I, I like Ben's art, so, but I was surprised by it, and, and I'm and like I said, I'm really glad that. 
you didn't flip the script on me and come in here and tell me this was like the greatest book of the year and that you hated Clementine because that was yeah. <laughs> we were gonna have issues. No, no. Issues, so, so I'm really glad that that's the way this went. No, I mean it's going on my shelf next to all the other Ben Mara stuff I have. I love the man's work. It, his, like I said, whatever I paid for this book was worth it because I got a big old heaping help in a Ben Mara art. So that in itself. I'm done. I'm fine. I'm I'm content. But I just wish there was a little bit more substance, to, yeah. a, a lot more substance to this book. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, but you be the judge. Um, I mean, if you want to try it out, it's available from Fanagraphics. Uh, Disciples. The cover price is bucks, is it thirty bucks? I think twenty nine. Twenty four yeah. ninety nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, shit. And it has a dust jacket. I just pounded my uh, microphone with my with the book. That's okay. Dap, talk to us. So there was a book that was solicited, and as is the case more often than not lately, um, it was canceled. But then uh, a week or so later, another email came out saying that uh, the book is still going to be published. Uh, let us know if you still want it. And I said yes, and it arrived um, when we got back from Heroes, and I am talking about Captain Action, the classic collection, published by IDW, reprinting the five issues of DC's Captain Action comic book that was initially written by Jim Shooter uh, with art by Wally Wood. And um, I remember the character, but I never read any of his stories. And uh, this is a really solid package. I like this packaging better than the uh, than the Undersea Agent that uh, IDW put out of, of, of Kane's work for that. But um, there's an intro here by Wade kind of breaking down um, how Captain Action came to be and came to... Uh, DC Comics, and um, there was a uh, the initial, the original um, editor for Captain Action was um, Mort Weisinger, and he um, he wanted to put his uh, his his like sixteen um, year old Wonder Kid on the book, um, which of course being Jim Shooter, um, and they penned the uh, the origin story for Captain Action and his uh, initial nemesis, uh, Krellick. And apparently, I guess the the idea, I again, never had an action, never had a Captain Action action figure, but basically the idea was that um, you would buy the figure and then there would be a bunch of outfits for like 99 cents or whatever, where then this, the the action figure, the doll would then dress up as other superheroes. So you'd get all the heroes with the one figure, just play dress up and, and you're good to go. Um, so what's interesting is that, you know, the first story isn't horrible at all. I mean, it's, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it, even though it's, you know, 16 year old, that's great. And, and, you know, Jim shooter, we know can tell, some stories. Um, yes, I mean we 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 were given you know, Starbrand and and Secret Wars, but we were also given uh, Legion of Superheroes. So um, 
you know, shooter can't tell a tale. And, and of course, we've got all of um, Defiant and, and the early days of, of Valiant to look at as well. But um, after the first story, um, well, they're, they're, they're the two issues. The first two issues were um, were written by Shooter. The second issue, they um, they brought Gil Kane on for pencils, and Wally Wood inked it. With the third, fourth, and fifth issue, the book then went to Julie Schwartz, and Schwartz wanted um, wanted a known commodity. He, he knows what he's going to get uh, with Gil Kane. So Gil Kane becomes writer and artist with um, with the remainder of the series, and uh, he does. He is still inked by um, by Wally on uh, in issues three and four. Um, no Wally Wood on the on on um, no. Wally Wood inks him on three and five. Gil Solo on um, on issue four. So the the idea, the, the the whole premise, how Captain Action gets his powers is that he and Krellick are um, are archaeologists, and they come across a uh, a whole cachet of uh, of old coins, and the coins are all. Um, minted with um with the faces of various gods and and the gods of from from all over you've got you've got roman gods greeks norse uh hindu aztec and throughout the first couple of issues we're reminded that you know um what the romans may call one god the norse are going to call with a different name and and uh the greeks are going to call something else and if if you've read a bunch of Thor comics, none of this is is, is really new to you. But it was it, it's pretty neat for for the '60s for it to to come at you like this. Um, so Captain Action gets a bunch of coins. He's he ends up getting powers from these coins. Um, Krellick also wants powers. Figuring you know, listen, we can take over the world with this shit. So. Um, the coins really don't work for Krellick because he's not, you know, basically a pure heart. He's an evil dude. So, uh, he ends up basically, um, going after the coin, the, the coins that tend to gravitate him are, uh, have like the face of Loki, things like that. So, um, we've got the good and the bad. And for whatever reason, um, Clive Arno, that's Captain Action, uh, he comes up with this goofy looking outfit where he's kind of like a military man with a little cap and, and it's, it's, it's a silly outfit, but, um, once you get past that visual, the rest of the book is, is pretty entertaining. And, and once, once you get past, um, shooter's story, like, like as I'm amazed that I, for, for a long time, I always thought that, you know, Gil was just drawing these. Gil Kane was drawing Green Lantern and Adam, uh, and and you know in some cases Superman. Just because it was a paycheck, uh, we we all know that a lot of the artists back in the day, it was just a paycheck. They they didn't. There was no there was no love. They didn't care about what the stories were. They just they drew it, handed it in, 
got paid. Neither is repeat. And and but Gil Kane is a pretty and again I just I of all the people I would have loved to you know you you, you pick your three or five people that that you'd love to have a meal with and I just I want to pick this man's brain and and um, he has in some in the later issues uh, there's some kind of pretty heavy science and science fictiony type things going on that I really never kind of would have imagined Gil Kane to kind of write about or, or, or come up and tell stories with. But um, as far as the, the origin of the beginnings of the character, um, Clive has a son, Carl, um, who ends up becoming action boy and Krellick. We really don't see after the first two issues. Krellick initially wants to frame Arno and he, um, he dresses up just like Captain Action and he goes through and, 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 and he's robbing banks and hitting up museums and he goes to Metropolis and, and, and we get our, our only um, DC hero appearance with Superman. And, um, and as much as I love Wallywood's art, I'm not real sure I'm keen on, on his version of Superman still looks great, but it's, it's, it's a little weird in spots, but um Captain Action, an action boy, saved the day. Um, Krellick escapes to fight another day. And in the second issue, um, he kind of really does um, put a number on on Captain Action. And um, they're able to thwart him again. And the third issue, we're introduced to Dr. Evil. Which, again, it, it, it kind of on the cheesy, corny side. But... Um, Dr. Evil is actually Clive Arno's father-in-law. Clive, Clive is a widower. Um, Dr. Evil, or actually, um, his, uh, his real name is, is, uh, Stephen Tracy. He's a doctor. He's a scientist who, um, actually using his, his machine, um, transcends time and space ends up um, physically altered and and is kind of transforms into uh, an Alpha Centaurian and uh, who were kind of blue tinged on, on the skin uh, kind of looked like their brains are kind of like on the not outside their head but kind of see through their skull it's, it, 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 it's a weird visual but um, Dr. Evil wants to now just transform the rest of the planet and, and uh, because it's the next step in evolution and Captain Action and Action Boy have to do what they can to, uh, to stop this from happening. That's, that's issue four and five. And with the introduction of, of, um, of Kane now writing the story when um, instead of walking around with uh, the coins in a hollowed out belt buckle, They've kind of fashioned the coins into um, into rings, so so that he can wear them that way. But there's also kind of a of an oath that he uh, kind of says, as uh, you know, basically you know that he uh, it's 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 kind of a um, it's not quite like the uh, 
the lantern's oath, but uh, but yeah, it's still a whole thing about uh, you know, let justice be done is is how it ends. So uh, so you got the whole pose down and everything. Nothing that happened in the first two issues. Nothing that Shooter came up with. But um, I guess Kane really wants you to know that uh, he, he means business, and and uh, Captain Action's about to to kick some ass. So he's got the whole oath thing down. Um, takes care of uh, Doctor Evil in issue three and four. Issue five, and it was weird that um, I read this last weekend, um, considering the way uh, the country is these days, but um, the fifth issue dealt with somebody who was um, a character by the name of Blackwell, who's a uh, who's an alter ego for, um, for Carl Arno's best friend's father. Um, Blackwell is mad and wants to um he's 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 basically he's he's an alt-right wing nut and and he just um wants wants the country to be right and and uh it was it again which just just goes to show you that you know nothing really ever changes and 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 these these stories are as old as time, these 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 this black mark um, hasn't gone away, isn't going to go away anytime soon. But uh, it 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 was kind of topical um, to read this, and and it was it wasn't it it doesn't end on a happy note. The um, there's there's actually some collateral damage and and uh, some casualties in the um, in the fifth issue, but uh, overall, I thought it was a really really solid package. I'm happy I read it. I'm, I you know, I don't know if um, I meant to dig out the who's who and see if Captain Action is actually in it, but um, there were some interesting letter writers on the letters pages, like uh, Klaus Jensen and uh, Marty Pasco, and and uh, you get some some the um, you get some house ads, uh, some actual Gil Kane original art, courtesy of uh, I think of Heritage, some pencil marks, which. I just absolutely adore Gil Kane's figure work. I, I could just stare at those drawings forever. But um, yeah, I went in last weekend not knowing or knowing very little about Captain Action and, and read these five issues. And um, they are, for the most part, they are of their era. But uh, the stories themselves and, and what what the writers were doing in those stories. Um, kind of timeless or just at least still still stories that would be entertaining and um and in some cases eye-opening even today but yeah i I thought the um that's a really solid package uh i uh quite happy that um that idw decided to put it out i think the uh the estate or or somebody has um owns the licensing now which is which is why the um they were able to make this package possible because DC had no intentions of um, paying for a reprinting of those stories for, for the license and whatnot. But um, good job, IDW. And I, I just, I, there are, um, I, there are a lot of pairings I enjoy as, as, as for comic artists and, and with pencils and inkers, but 
there's just absolutely something magical with um, with Wallywood over Gil Kane. And, and, and I know, you know Kane loved to ink himself, and and that's fine. And there are some people who inked them that um, they didn't mesh well. But Christ, man, Wood just... And we know what the man can do, but I mean, damn! I just seeing his his line, it, it's you can tell it's still Gil Kane, but it's just it's it's smoother. There's there's a nice little flirt. It's kind of like when when Mark Farmer inks Alan Davis. It's just it's it's just that 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 curve, the way everything just kind of fits together. But um, but yeah, overall, art's fantastic. Um, stories are are kind of serious and in some cases heavy, but um. But yeah, I, I I I dug it quite a bit. I don't know if um, no idea who else might be interested in Captain Action. This was just about the pedigree. This was just I, I bought this only because of um, of who was involved in it. I it could have been you know a, a, a reprint of of old romance comics. I didn't care. But just just seeing being able to see Kane and, and Wood working together was um, was enough for the price of admission. Nice. I did have a an original Captain Adam or Captain Adam, Captain Action and a Doctor Evil, but not first run. Like I think I was a little too young for Captain Action. Uh, but many, many, many years after the fact, I did come across an OG uh, boxed uh, example of each, and I kept them for a couple of years. But then I I turned them around and, and sold them. But I remember there were costumes for action like uh from both sides marvel and dc i believe yeah they and captain good. action costumes uh let's see um I, I was happy with the amigos so i never yeah uh i didn't even probably i don't think i was even aware of captain action as a kid yeah same i mean i just i i know you know they it was um Obviously, GI Joe was 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 the big thing to kind of um, go up against Mattel's success with Barbie, but um, Ideal came up with um, Stan Weston, who actually um, is the one who pitched Hasbro on the idea of GI Joe. He um, yeah came up with Captain Action, and uh, so the the pair would not only would pair well not only with Bat with the Batman license, but with other similar characters from the comic books and strips, Captain Action would be marketed as a nine-in-one toy alongside a wardrobe of $1.98 costumes that would allow him to transform into a known hero or superhero. He could become DC Comics' Superman, Batman, or Aquaman. He could convert to Marvel's Sergeant Fury or Captain America. He could pose as the Lone Ranger or Flash Gordon or the Phantom or Steve Canyon. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Ad, ad infinitum. There, there was a, 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 a narrow line between... Um, some of the things that that people around our age hold dear, like I missed out on Major Matt Mason, um, like the color forms, aliens. They were a little bit before my time, and Captain Action was one of those. It was uh, like yeah. for whatever reason, um, maybe it wasn't advertised in the comics, or uh, I just missed out on that narrow window. But yeah, but that was a complete blank on Captain Action as a kid. Um, now the originals go for a decent amount of money. So if I, you know, held on to those, I'd be able to turn around for some, some Skrilla. Yeah. Hey, you could buy a Bugatti. There you go. Is that a car? Uh, what's, <laughs> <laughs> what's, um, 
as 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 you know, Vince DC in the '60s, they would have half or quarter page ads because of the end of a chapter. So strange, they, they so right. freaking strange. So not 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 to waste any space, they kind of um, they decided to uh, come up with um, half page adverts for here, and um, there's uh, like retro style ads, and it's because you can tell they're not. Of their era because the doll says captainaction.com but i mean you've got cereal you've got freezer pops you've got action figures the captain action is coming to television in full color check your local listings and so they i, I thought it was pretty slick that they uh that, that, that they didn't they didn't put just the big white space or like the dc showcase trades where they just put the big ass dc logo right on half of the page instead of uh something else there that was dc thinking like newspaper men so yeah if we could do half a page of content and half a page of ads, then by cracky, we're going to do a half page ad because yep. we'll, 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 uh, make some money on it or we'll gain some more readers from it. And it was like, Marvel never did that. They, yeah. th- thankfully, they'd give you a whole page of stacked ads, which was great, but they never ever interrupted the, the flow of the comics for an ad like that. I, that was so bizarre. I, I know I picked up on that as a kid too. Like, why are you doing this? It's so weird. <laughs> Which are three part, three three chapters in one book. It's like, dude, just just tell a story. Just give me a story. Ah, uh, see, I don't know, but I love it when they break it up into chapters. Oh, I don't know. No, yeah, there are there are, and especially because it it acts like you know like like an ad break, and that's fine. But it, it there were some, there are some stories where where they decided to end the chapter was seemed a little abrupt yeah jack and was, maybe that could have also been because of the half page ad jack always broke his shit up into chapters the things he worked on himself commandy there's chapters all over the place in that book give me more chapters jack thank you <laughs> you're better off for it kid what else do we have jason you must have read a boatload of stuff in your your quarantine yeah no doubt um i mean real quick i want to mention because it is uh it is tangential to Heroes Con. Uh, Johnny Bergen, main mainstay of the uh, of the Heroes Con. We always have fun uh, chatting him up and getting art from him. Local guy um, and uh, just an overall fun dude. He has from I don't remember. I guess we met him probably after the first Heroes Con we went to. So it's been seven, maybe seven, eight years. But um, but Johnny's. Uh, always his logo, like his 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 collateral material, his banner, uh, have always featured this uh, this character with a green helmet uh, and a skateboard uh, named Frog Boy. Like that's kind of Johnny B's character, you know. And uh, at least to to for a long time, I I didn't know it and is anything more than than Johnny B's kind of logo and titular character. Um, but uh, some time ago. Um, uh, he he finally found a publisher to put out some of his frog boy stories um and i pre-ordered it but um like lots of things especially with the really small press publishers it didn't get uh you know the, the pandemic uh, totally derailed uh the the publishing plans uh especially the 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 the, uh, the intended release date um almost to the point where i'd kind of forgotten about it you know but in my shipment awaiting me uh, last week was uh, sitting in my DCBS box, the and over a sort of a well, not, not quite treasury size, but larger than a comic, um, soft cover 
uh, prestige trade called Frog Boy Punk Rock and Roller Derby by Mr. John Bergen. And um, it's published by New Friday. Uh, don't know anything about them beyond that, but this reminded me a lot of the Jim Rugg Street Angel, Angel model. Um, it's two short stories featuring Frog Boy, who is a, I don't know if he's a teen or young 20s, but he's a, a skater dude. Uh, skater dude kind of action hero. And uh, the stories are punk rock, which basically involves um, a um, kind of a folk story where uh, some some people hear of these uh, plants, these flower petals that if you eat them, you gain uh, superpowers. And so they roll up there. But of course, as with many of these stories, there's a morality play there. And so guy eats the petals and he does get powers but he starts morphing into this uh satyr devilish horned creature um that that he calls himself stacks kind of takes over him and his personality and becomes ultra violent and uh and and so that things don't go according to plan and and uh, uh our, our our dude frog boy has to intervene and he does and then uh the second story roller derby is um uh, of a similar ilk, um, you know, involving uh, some adventures with with some some roller derby. And listen, anytime you want to bring me back to the days of roller derby, I'm here for it. Uh, we need more roller derby in our lives, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, for those that don't know John's style, it's it's uh, it's a real fun uh, animated style. Uh, his characters have really skinny, long limbs. There's a lot of energy to his line. Um, and uh, it's just a fun, fun little book that uh, that really does show off the character. And I could see the character definitely lends itself to this anthology kind of storytelling where there's just uh, adventure of the week, if you will. And I hope we get more of it. Um, I assume it's readily available. I know that John was excited because he posted that it was on the shelves at uh, Heroes Are Hard to Find down in yeah. Charlotte. So I don't know if this is like re- regularly stocked by LCSs. I assume it's one of those things where... Uh, if the LCS is is a major LCS that 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 can afford to and does carry uh, uh, small press back of preview stuff on spec, then you probably find it. But I'm guessing a lot of stores these days only carry that kind of stuff if it's pre-ordered. So your mileage may vary there, but I think you can go to Johnny's website to check. Just you can Google John Bergen. Uh, it's uh, J O H N B U R G I N, or I believe the publisher you can find it Lev Gleason L E V. G L E A S O N dot com. You can check those spots out, or I'm sure a lot of LCSs these days do have uh, storefronts where you can order this stuff. I think it's still available uh, on reorder. So a lot of fun. Definitely, if you're a fan of the Street Angel, that kind of thing, I think you'll be a fan of this. And uh, it warmed my heart to see it finally in print. Yeah, it's it's uh, it was filled. It should be in my next box coming. I cannot wait. And I just I. I I had to get it once I saw. I knew it was finally coming out, and I saw it solicited. But I mean, his the uh, the commission I got from him in uh, probably 2018 is still one of my favorite pieces. I, I I just I love the man's style. He's so good. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I mean, that's that. Yeah, it's just great. You know, you see people that you love get their get their work out there. You know, because um, I don't know how long he's had this character in mind and, and what have you, but but uh, it's about damn time. You can also. Um, Go to uh, Frog Boy Official on there Instagram, and uh, and you can um, check it out, get previews, and, and um, 
there's the there's the link for it so you can uh get it to your lcs but yeah you can get information there as well nice and then uh my favorite comic of last year was crossover by donny cates and jeff shaw and dean kuniff and um I was putting it off, but uh, I was sort of in denial, but it wrapped up with issue 13, so we got two volumes of the trade for trade person, but I did finally read issues 12 and 13. Um, I was putting it off because I didn't want to believe it was going to end, but uh, but it did end, and not surprising, I mean, uh, to, to know that the Donnie stuck the landing, he, he's a terrific writer, he really is, and and he's he's one of those those creators that is starting to build a a impressive bibliography where not only is the stuff good but it's good across a bunch of different genres and you guys know that's always a big litmus test for me um can can you tell stories in, in different veins you know different moods different settings different genres and, and if you can do that then we can start talking about you being a great writer because um, i think there are people that are very good at one niche and kill it at that but but can they do other things um but i think donnie has more than answered that bell, and I love Jeff's work. Um, this is not the first time they've, of course, worked together. They've collaborated on a bunch of stuff together. But uh, this just, you know, this book was just one of those things that hit me right. I, I don't get the sense that it was as universally uh, adored as as I took to it. Um, and that's the thing about comics, right? Not everything's going to curl everybody's toes. But this one definitely curled my toes up until the very end. And I, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the end of the book because I don't want to spoil it for people, but I will say that it had a very apropos conclusion where we find out who the real big bad of the story is. And it made all the sense in the world. If you, if you were reading the book and understand that the story was basically this meta look at the idea of being a creator and, uh, and that you may be responsible for coming up with the ideas, but once the ideas are out there and I know this is straight out of Vince, the Vince B school of thought, once the, once you, you may, you may, you may put pen to, paper and write the script or you may draw put the lines on the page and 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 the, before they go to print but once they're out there they're not yours they stop being yours the second that they're out there yep uh and they become everybody else's in their own and uh and, and that's really the crux of what the story is about in 13 issues and and it's wrapped in this beautiful jeff shaw drawn book where you've got people like scott snyder and robert kirkman getting brutally murdered and uh, and and all kinds of, of of awesome image characters um from you know powers to uh to we covered in 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 the first arc but just just a, a million different characters including some of kate's like you know you have alifax in there and um and you've got madman and, and just a bunch of others uh that, that make appearances roger rabbit style but but just a, a crazy wild adventure where donnie kind of i think worked out this idea of the ideas are not yours once once they're out into the ethos, and I I think we all generally b- believe in that, and I, I love that idea, and I think this is probably the best uh, illustration of that idea I've seen in comics. I mean, it's certainly a theme that's been played with before, and and again, I'm not, I I know some people out there are like, are you saying this is better than Animal Man? No, I'm not saying it's better than Animal Man. Like, but it's it's of that same kind of vein. But I will say that it's 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 more fun than Animal Man. I'll say that. Like, Animal Man was brilliant when it came out because. At the time, we didn't see anything like that, but I, I don't. I, I find this to be more exciting, more exciting, more more fun. So um, definitely worth your attention. I hope they put out now that we've got thirteen issues and it's wrapped up. I hope we get a nice hardcover. Uh, I presume that can, that comes down to whether or not the sales were good enough to justify it. So we shall see. Hasn't been solicited yet, so I'm beginning to think it probably isn't going to happen. But 
I'll keep hope alive, and in the meantime, I'll be happy with these beautiful uh, pages from it that I own. So, why did that elicit a, ch- a chuckle? Thing, should be no shock that I own pages from a book that I love. No, it's been a minute since you mentioned anything like that. A minute, yeah, a couple <laughs> seconds. <laughs> did y'all know I buy away? I think. It, listen, it's 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 part of the it's part of the rubric. Like, it is. You're, yeah, it's, I, like I I it's it's integral to my enjoyment of the of of this crazy thing that we spend uh, all this time discussing. And we love you for it. Uh, sometimes, probably true. <laughs> all of the time, it's true. <laughs> Uh, I have one, better, but it's um, it's a fleeting thing. Um, it it probably means more to me uh, being uh, a fan of of Japanese tokusatsu shows than the majority of our listeners. Um, it, it's a character that uh, sprung from the uh, the creators of Ultraman, Subaraya. And uh, the um, it was originally released. It's 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 a very odd nugget uh, of uh, of uh, kaiju uh, history. It was originally released in five minute segments on a show called Ohio Kodomo Show, and it was uh, uh, a character called Redoman, which is Redman. Uh, didn't stick around long, but uh, what Subaraya did was they uh, reused the kaiju from Ultraman, which had premiered earlier, uh, as a way of saving money. So um, there's a lot of callbacks to that classic show in the the, the kaiju that Red Man fought, and. Uh, I think Matt Frank, uh, who writes and draws this, if you if you know anything about Matt Frank, you know that he loves kaiju. He was on uh, IDW's Godzilla book for a stretch. Uh, if you follow him on the socials, the dude just lives and breathes kaiju. I mean, he's got the vinyls to prove it, and he's 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 immersed in in the genre. Who better? To illustrate a uh, write and illustrate a, a, a book about uh, Redman, a character that is in many sense, many ways, a carbon copy of Ultraman. Visually, not so much, but in 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 uh, concept, very close. Uh, so, uh, like I said, the the original was released in five minute chunks. The first issue of Redman from Behemoth. Is called uh, Episode 1, Arstron. And Arstron was a kaiju that appeared on... Um, which one? It wasn't... It was the fourth Ultraman, which was Return of Ultraman. So, uh, again, very, very, very linked to Ultraman. And uh, the this book, it's fleeting, just like those five-minute... Uh, episodes it's basically red man and arstron fighting ah there's no deeper concept there's no underlying meaning it is a uh, defender of the earth fighting a giant kaiju and that's it (laughs) so you're thinking wow 
why should we buy this thing? What is it about this book that you're you're so jazzed? Well, um, knowing Matt Frank, his love for the genre is in every panel. Um, it's big. Sorry, as a kaiju battle should be. Um, th there's a lot of smack dab, bam boom shit going on. Earth being ripped up. Uh, fire breath i mean if you love kaiju and tokusatsu you'll enjoy this book but if you're not one to pause and immerse yourself in the art i think you'll read this book in about five minutes so uh i'm speaking to those who love kaiju uh, of course but i think matt has something else going on with this because it starts with a television set, a vintage clunk, clunk, clunk. Remember when you used to turn the channel knob and it used to make a clunk? Uh, it's a vintage television set, and uh, it powers on in the first page. And Redoman is on the television set. So conceptually, it's kind of cool because he's going back to the the uh, the underpinnings of the character, which was a... a a television segment um but i don't know if he's going to exploit that fact and have a a larger concept uh, something deeper other than red man beating the crap out of out of kaiju i don't know but uh on page two there's a little character called Redmon, and if you know your ultraman it's it's pigmon it's the that character pigmon that has showed up forever in, in the various Ultra series, um, albeit tweaked a little bit uh, in in visual uh, in, the, in the visuals, but it's just I I don't know how uh, else to sell this. If you like seeing giant characters beating the crap out of each other, this is the book for you. I thought it was great, but again, I, I I'm in the Glee Club. Like there's this was not a hard sell for me. Um, Matt Frank's art is wonderful. Uh, he takes great joy in drawing every single scale on this this Arshtron kaiju, and it's it's kinetic as hell. What would you expect from giant beings beating the the hell out of each other? Um, there, there's there's no heavy lifting here, um, but again, to to go back to the television concept, at the end of the battle, Redman poses as he's wont to do, and he's got his hand up in the air, and he walks into the distance, and there's a camera, and the the visuals turn, they they seg from full color to black and white, and then you see the television set with Redman walking into the distance, and there's a a, a taloned hand that comes into the 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 frame and does something to the television when it clicks over to a, a different kind of landscape it is is it going to the second episode i don't know i don't know I, I think matt has designs for this book that go beyond just giant characters beating each other up so it remains to be seen but this first issue was was great and it's all uh pinned upon you know my love for this stuff so um, I know Mike is going to go gaga for this, right? I mean, anybody who loves Ultraman, Red Man, Kaiju, they're, they're going to eat this stuff up. 
but I think I mean if you're you're uh, unschooled in this this kind of uh, entertainment, uh, try it. Maybe you'll like it. But um, I'm guessing that there are plans that go beyond just um, homage to to classic uh, tokusatsu shows. So uh, check it out. It's from again from Behemoth. It's got a really nice cardstock cover. Multiple different. Uh, cover variants I, I couldn't even keep track of them all but uh, heavy cardstock cover really nice art um, it, with the promise of something beyond just homage I think uh, and uh, Goncalo Lopez did the color work it's, it was a lot of fun I read it three times which you know isn't saying much because I just appreciated Matt's art three times in a row that's that's basically it. It's it's wonderful. Both of you won't read this, so I'm not talking to you. Well, that, that's <laughs> true, but I mean, I will say, like, yeah, that, that's a genre where I often try it and don't stick around. Right, right. Um, I, I guess, like, how would you compare this to, like, Ultra Mega or No Comparison? Because I don't know if there's, like, a huge plot with Ultra Mega, right? Like, it's not really... Um, either. it's it's around the same thing as well. Ultra Mega, as far as his first issue goes, Ultra Mega had a zillion times more plot. <laughs> than this okay, one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's I I, I I'm being one hundred percent literal when I say it is just page after page of two characters throwing blows and breathing fire, and uh, there's not there's not a whole lot of of content other than that. Uh, the framing sequence, sure, but as to what Matt is doing with that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. But you got to remember, I mean, I came up on Ultraman. Like, sure. Ultraman was my dude. I would run home from school every day so I wouldn't miss uh, the reruns of Ultraman. And then Ultra 7 came out. I was like, holy crap, like, I'm in mm-hmm. heaven. Like, Johnny Sacco and his giant robot, uh, Space Giants, all that shit is is that's in my blood and naturally i i I needed this book and it didn't disappoint but i mean if you're not from that school of thought i i don't know how much this book is going to mean to you yeah all good yeah yeah makes the world go around baby and and i'm not going to use that that phrase because it's not, but it's not. It's not. It it was just a joy. Uh, It was a nice little uh, pick-me-up. It reminded me of all of the things that I love about um, Tokusatsu and Kaiju. And if you want to see the original Red Man or Red Man clips, you can go on YouTube. The Subaraya has a YouTube channel. They're on there. Uh, the the first villain is not an Ultraman villain. Uh, I believe it's a Mirror Man villain. But so what? But then all the ones after it are uh, Ultraman villains or Ultra Kai, Ultra Kaiju. So <laughs> yeah, it's great stuff. Um, you heard? I can't get enough of it. So there you go. All right, rapidy rap. Hey, it's up to you, dog. You run. You, you steer the ship. Or do you have anything else to talk about? Because, I mean, I, I'll sit and listen to you all damn day. Aw. I mean, you know, now you got me all of a clip. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a, um, my inner travels is, is I'm going to 
take a page of y'all's book. It's going to be lengthy. Oh, good. All right. So, hey. Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you for being here with us one more time around. If you would like to join the extended EOC family, check out the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics, one one, no apostrophe. Um, we mix it up from time to time. Dap has his daily page rate where he shows you uh, great collaborations from the past um, in sequence many times. Um, I'm pulling some some fanzine flashbacks where um, I'm giving you complete articles from um, old fanzines where I'm starting with the Monster Times because it's my all-time favorite publication. And the Monster Times features a lot of comic book-themed content. So uh, there's that. Jason does videos and and art updates and OA investigations. And there's there's polls and videos. And we just released an audio file that was six and a half hours long. Only to our patrons. It's all the stuff that the regular feed did not contain from HeroesCon and other things. So it, it, it's like a, a mini remembrance of everything that went on at Heroes. It was great. And I hope people loved it. But that, I mean, that's what you get as a patron. So uh, if you want to check it out, like I said, patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. Uh, we would really love to have you. In your travels, um, again, this is going to be another weird sell because i'm uh, on on one hand i'm going to praise the book and on the other hand i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna highlight its shortcomings uh but i really love the art in this book it, it is from antarctic press talked about the first issue a while back this is by motofumi kobayashi it is the second issue of world war three Battle over Hokkaido. Um, the thing that separates... It's a, obviously a war book uh, uh, in a what-if type scenario. What if uh, Russia... There was a coup in Russia and uh, the uh, Soviet Union started to, to run roughshod over the world, starting with Japan. Uh, may not be fiction, Right? Uh, but who knows? And uh, what this book lacks, and books like um, the Nam had, was the Nam had a very, very rich and deep human element to it. You really got to know the characters. Therefore, you felt pain when they died, or or went back home, or, or were removed from the the the, the narrative. World War Three battle over Hokkaido has almost none of the human element. I mean, it's just Kobayashi has an intense fascination with weapons of war. The battle scenes are so beautifully rendered, like the the armaments and the 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 vehicles and the the. The planes and the soldiers and their guns and the locales, all beautifully rendered. Oh, shit. like the explosions are gorgeous. Uh, if if such a thing could be applied to an explosion, yeah, it could. Uh, explicit, extreme detail 
on the armor and it's it's a it's a treat to see but there's as jason is is want to say there's really no gravitas because you don't get fully fleshed out human beings in this book there are officials and um, high-ranking people in the army going back and forth talking about, we have to do this, or, or it's not done that way, it's done this way, and we have to make sure that this happens, and we have to save the bridge. And there's re- like they're just stand-ins for, for people. They're, they're, and they're not, real, they're not really real people because we don't get to know any of them. They're just spouting this, this you know, protocol and... and and bureaucracy and all this bullshit and it just doesn't take into account that these are real people fighting and dying in this this world um but if you like great art <laughs> there's plenty of that in this book um there's one sequence where this armor division is trying to blow up the bri- a bridge so the russians can't get further into japan and People die, and it, but it doesn't mean anything because we don't know who they are. They're just they're just little ciphers for people for for real humans. Like it's, just, I, I hope I'm making some kind of sense, but but this book doesn't have any hooks in in the physical world. It's just weapons of war bashing the hell out of each other, very much like the Red Man book, I guess. Um, I, I really love this book, but I, other than the art, I, I, I can't say why it's, it's, it's totally not grounded in, in, uh, emotion. It's just a clinical look at fighter jets blowing shit up and, uh, you know, grunts walking through tall grass, getting shredded by high caliber rounds. Like, uh, but if you if, if you love great art. I, you should really check this book out because it is front to back just immaculately rendered. Um, Kobayashi was responsible for Cat Shit One, which is the antithesis oh, right. of yeah. this book because that there's there's a lot of of emotion in Cat Shit One, and maybe he just jettisoned it and said, "I'm gonna focus on the the shit that makes war uh, happen," and it's it's just beautiful, but uh, it, there's no soul. To it. The theme to Vince's uh, this episode is fucking narrative. Yeah, kinda. kinda <laughs> I mean, and and the weird thing about this book is it's broken down into into days and sometimes hours. Like it'll say uh, June thirteenth, uh, you know, something bridge, uh, first armored division, and they, the division gets into place, and then it'll say June fourteenth, six oh five p.m. Uh, command bunker in whatever, and it, but it, it, there's really no soul to it. it it's bereft of of soul. Sometimes pictures are enough uh, for me, and this is one of those instances where uh, I just revel in just how how gorgeous the art is. But it's just stick figures um, getting shredded. <laughs> They're not. So yeah. Call me superficial. I, I I love the art in this book. Ain't nothing wrong with it, dude. Uh, it's just ironic that two of the things I talked about have great art and not. Yeah, but sometimes sometimes that's what we're in the mood for. Right, right, right. And I take a sword for Antarctic. I mean, I just love them as a you publisher. Do. Yeah, you do. It's true. It's true. Uh, well, speaking of great art. Um, 
we are at the halfway point for um, for Dark Knights of Steel, um, written by Tom Taylor. Art for the most part um, by Yasmin Putri, and uh, there have been a couple of um, I call them fill-ins, but they're not. Um, they're kind of like chapter breaks where it's fitting, and and the styles are definitely complimentary um issue five no issue four has art by um bangle and that chapter is basically um the early days when the l's landed on um landed on earth and um how they were treated um by the uh the folks in town and uh, how they um, how Bruce's parents were killed. Um, so that's in the fourth issue. The five and six continues the uh, the main story where um, where King Jor-El was uh, was murdered and the whole mystery um as to who did it and why and, and who's pulling strings. But Taylor did something that I kind of, I wasn't expecting and I'm not really sure how I feel about it. Cause, um, we find out that, or we have found out already that, um, that Bruce is not Thomas's son. Um, Jor-El is Bruce's father and therefore um, Bruce has some powers but um, when it is revealed that um, that that uh, Cal has a brother he doesn't um, he doesn't really take it too well and uh, does something that is well would be completely out of character uh for a modern day superman but i'm guessing in this else worlds like tale um it 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 could be considered fitting or not surprising but um there's a bit of a swerve definitely something i wasn't expecting to see definitely not something i like to see um because i'd like to think that deep down any iteration of um of superman is still going to be Superman. Um, Taylor does not hold that belief, and that's fine. Um, so uh, the fifth issue left me feeling some kind of way, um, and the sixth issue is kind of dealing with uh, with some of that fallout. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I believe the next artist that's going to be filling in is none other than um, barbaric artist. Gooden, so I'm looking forward to seeing his take on these characters. But um, but yeah, I I, uh, I really have no clue now where this twelve issue series may um, is heading and, and and where it will end up. But uh, but yeah, in your travels, um, I'm going to say uh, check out Dark Knights of Steel since um, we're not at the end yet, and and I am really curious to see uh, where we're going and what other people might be thinking about it.
Nice. Yeah, I, I got it. I got to catch up because I've been I've enjoyed the beginning of it. I haven't, I'm but I'm behind. It's been good though. Oh, it's so pretty. Not as good as DC versus vampires, but you know. I'll take your word for it. That's my shit. Um, all right. So in your travels, I said I was going to be long. Not going to be too long, but I I did want to emphasize that this is one of those. Uh, uh, you know, every now and then we we call our shot. So for those that that haven't already pre-ordered this or back to Kickstarter, you're going to want to because it is exceptional. And I am talking about uh, Magnetics done done it again because they often they often curl our toes and uh, and. They were kind enough to bring yet another Matthew Bablé masterpiece over from France to the U.S. of A. Uh, in the form of Andrastia, um, which was, uh, you know, as as many of you probably know, Magnetic does Kickstarters now for seemingly all their books, uh, at least all their import books. And um, and then you can choose to back it that way or you can wait and get uh, get it for cheaper when it's solicited in previews. Um but I've been back into Kickstarters just because I do love these things so much that I want to make sure that they do come out. Um, Andrastia is, interestingly enough, uh, the second of Bablé's works. Uh, he he uh, actually did this before um, Shangri-La or Carbon and Silicon, which which we have uh, discussed and uh, and received those hardcovers, um, you know, already a year ago. Um, but I'm not sure why they, they, they timed it that way. Um, you know, and there is some always, you always kind of wonder when a creator gets a little hot, um, you wonder, are they like, and then they start bringing over other stuff. You worry, like, are they bringing over their not as great stuff because they know there's demand for it. Um, but I can assure you if you were reluctant to order it to this point, because you knew it was, um, some of his earlier work, it is as good as anything else that we've gotten, uh, translated from, from him. Um, Andrastia is, uh, it's, it's essentially Babylon playing in the world of Greek mythology. Uh, the premise is a, uh, Hyperborean, uh, king who has, um, lived for a thousand years. He, he was, uh, given by the gods, the, uh, given immortality and, uh, he didn't ask for it. He doesn't like it, and it picks up with him essentially a thousand years into his life, completely uh, near comatose and and reclusive because he has seen his entire world uh, wither away with time. Right, his 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 wife is long dead, his children are long dead, his kingdom is long since gone, uh, and 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 the world has moved on, and so he's literally a relic with no nothing to identify with the current world and uh and has difficulties accepting that and um something i won't say what but something sparks him out of his 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 millennia uh, malaise to um put on his backpack and decide to figure out why in the fuck he's immortal and who would you ask in this kind of story to figure out why you're immortal? Well, you'd ask the gods. So he goes on a journey to Mount Olympus to come to come face to face with the gods and say, why did you make me immortal? Because it's not a gift. Is it a penance? What did I do? What, is there a way I can change it? And, um, and Babylon takes us through uh, 
parts of his life, and I keep and he. I don't. I'm not saying his name because he doesn't have a name. He's an unnamed, ageless Hyperborean king, stuff of legend, and everyone knows of him as a legend. But uh, but and and have no idea that he actually exists until they 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 see him as he's on his trek. Um, and it's just it's phenomenal work. I mean, Babelay's illustrations are just jaw dropping as they were in. Uh, in in everything else that we've read of his, um, and I just have to say that 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 the cool thing here is that we get to see him draw uh, in a different setting. A lot of his stuff that we've covered to this point has been post apocalyptic sci fi, um, a- at least uh, in some way. And this is not that. This is uh, ancient, but the ornateness, the level of detail, the 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 lushness of his line are still there right because we see these sprawling magnificent ancient uh capital cities uh with just crazy architecture and and just insane detail and scale and the thing that i love about Bablay, and we probably i probably say this every time we talk about one of his books is he uses comics for the way that they should be used which is to say he draws things at such scale and, and grandiosity that they are not possible to render in any other medium like to do this in film would be a multi hundred million dollar type of a budget type of thing, and even then you might not be able to capture it as effectively. So just adore it. Um, it. It's 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 probably his most linear of stories, um, which would make sense because I think he probably gets a little more expressive and creative as he goes on with his career. And this was an earlier work, but it's it's definitely. Um, linear in terms of 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 the journey that the main the protagonist goes on but man oh man i mean seeing him render greek gods and titans and uh and creatures is just just phenomenal uh i mean we get to see him draw harpies and we see him draw gods like athena and Ares and artemis and poseidon and aphrodite and uh, of course zeus and, and we get to see him draw the fates and we see him uh, give us the uh, the um, the Romanthian boar and uh, uh, the Stymphalian birds and satyrs and uh, you know a cyclops. It's like he 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 does it. He takes us on the journey. Um, probably the most impressive visual is Talos, the, the you know the giant mechanical creature. Uh, and and if anyone else needs one final cherry on top. Uh, I came across an interview he did. Now, this book came out, I think, in 2013 in France. Came across an interview he did in 2014 doing press for this book with the original publisher. And and he said that, that his main impetus for telling the story was a lifelong adoration for Ray Harryhausen and things like Jason the Argonauts and Clash of the Titans. Yeah. Now, as some of you may know, I am named Jason because of Jason the Argonauts. <laughs> so that is like right into a spear into the core of my of my happy place. So um, this is Babelay and his wildly illustrative line paying homage to Ray Harryhausen. What more do you need? Right. It looks crazy. It is crazy. I'm looking at the art. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. And as and and as 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 magnetic has always done. This is another magnificent, oversized hardcover with beautiful spot varnish and a nice matte flat. It's got such nice toothy texture. The cover, no dust jacket, rounded edges, uh, perfect, identically sized to the other um, Babelay books. So it looks perfect on the shelf with everything else. If you're OCD like all of us are. Um, so, yeah, cannot recommend this enough. If you didn't pre-order it, 
Uh, it's readily available. It's Andrastea, A-D-R-A-S-T-E-A by Matthew Beble. Nice. Going to be in the Oscars. I bet. It's going to be. Yeah, not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. All right, people. Hey, thank you for being here with us. Come back next week. We'll have something waiting for you for sure. Get out there, buy some comics, be nice to everybody around you, and do your thing and say goodnight. Couldn't erase the whistle, but I won't tink the glass. Sorry. David! (coughs) Good night. Here's the part where he screws up. He screws up. He screws up. (laughs) Never. The part where he screws up, screwing up his (coughs) shit. David. Ah! It's over. We'll be back next week, people. Tell them you love them so much. So much. Can't even. If there was a digital meter that that registered love levels, it would be off the damn chain, off the meter. Tell much you love. Redlined, absolutely redlined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love is good. True that. That's it for that one. <laughs>